Topic 13. First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 13. First Paper by george h white what should be the negro's attitude in politics mr white was born in a log cabin located at the confluence of richland branch and slap swamp in bladen county north carolina near the line of columbus county remote from cities and towns his maternal grandmother was half indian and his paternal grandmother was irish full blood his other admixture is facetiously described as mostly negro his early boyhood was a struggle for bread and a very little butter his schooling being necessarily neglected he usually attended two or three months in a year later by dint of toil and saving a few dollars he was able to secure training under professor d p allen president of the witten normal school at lumberton north carolina and afterwards entered howard university at washington graduating from the eclectic department in eighteen seventy seven believing that he could best serve his race and himself as an advocate of justice he read law while taking the academic course completing his reading under judge william j clark of north carolina and was licensed to practice in all courts of that state by the supreme court in eighteen seventy nine although mr white has won marked success in several walks of life as lawyer teacher and businessman it is his political achievements that have won for him not only a national reputation but have evoked no small degree of comment from the press and diplomats of many of the countries of the old world it is worthy of remark that up to this time at the age of forty-nine he has never held an appointive office his commissions coming invariably from the hands of the sovereign people direct he was elected to the north carolina house of representatives in eighteen eighty and to the state senate in eighteen eighty four was elected solicitor and prosecuting attorney for the second judicial district of north carolina for four years in eighteen eighty six and for a like term in eighteen ninety was nominated for congress in eighteen ninety four but withdrew in the interest of harmony in his party he made the race for congress in eighteen ninety six and was triumphantly elected by a majority of four thousand reversing a normal democratic majority of over five thousand a change of fully nine thousand votes indicating in no uncertain tone 
the confidence and esteem in which he was held by his friends and neighbors he was re-elected in eighteen ninety eight his services as a legislator were conscientious and valuable at the close of his second term he delivered a valedictory to the country which was universally praised as the best truest and most timely expression of the negro's plea for equality of citizenship that ever rang through the halls of congress the speech was widely circulated and was favorably commented upon by the leading newspapers of the nation mr white has accumulated quite a handsome fortune his wealth being estimated at from twenty thousand to thirty thousand dollars his personal popularity and the respect for his ability are attested by the fact that several honorary degrees have been conferred upon him by a number of the noted educational institutions of the land mr white is a thirty-third degree mason for six years he was grand master of masons for the state of north carolina having filled most of the subordinate offices in that body before his election to the grand mastership since his retirement from congress mr white has been engaged in the practice of law in washington d c and so favorably has he impressed his qualifications upon the bench and bar of the national capital that one of the judges publicly and without precedent complimented him in open court and set his methods up as an example for other lawyers to practice there eminent as are his abilities mr white is proverbially modest of strong character well-balanced mind and an unswerving sense of justice liberal in views upon all subjects political social or religious companionable in private life unostentatious in manner of living or in the bestowal of charity ready to sacrifice personal convenience to serve the worthy mr white is indeed a typical american the negro people in slavery or freedom as serfs or citizens offer no model more inspiring no picture more inviting in presenting this subject to the public i shall endeavor to treat it from a broad and liberal standpoint eliminating all selfishness or individual political bias and viewing the situation from the standpoint of an american citizen the first prerequisite to good government in a republic is purity in the ballot no stream can be pure unless its source is pure either can a republic hope for just and fair laws and the administration and execution of them unless there is purity and fairness in the sources from whence these cardinal principles of government spring laws should be enacted for the whole people and not for individuals 
races or sections thereby securing the support and retaining the confidence of all the parts of our heterogeneous compact to the end that a homogeneous whole may move in the same direction for the good of all concerned the negroes asked for and as part of this republic have a right to demand the perpetuation of these basic principles of our government while we are young in citizenship and admit having made many political mistakes yet we are willing that the searchlight of reason be thrown upon our acts and a fair and impartial verdict rendered as to our conduct when all the circumstances surrounding our variegated political history are taken into consideration liberated enfranchised and turned loose among our former masters who could not take kindly to our new citizenship we naturally sought friendship and political alliance with those claiming to be our best friends those who had been instrumental in obtaining our freedom these new friends came largely from the federal army interspersed with many adventurers who followed in the wake of that army seeking strange fields in which to ply their vocations many of these newcomers proved to be the true friends of the negro of the south and led us on and taught us as a faithful guardian would teach and care for his wards but the great majority of them were wholly unscrupulous and worked upon the ignorance inexperience and gullibility of the negro over time to place themselves into positions where they had unlimited sway the result that followed was most natural the use of public trusts for private gain the looting of many of the southern states the political degradation of the negro and the complete estrangement between him and his former neighbors when all of these things were accomplished these human cormorants betook themselves to their northern homes to live in ease and splendor on the results of their pillage while the black man was left in the south to endure disenfranchisement torture and murder on account of the malice and hatred begotten from his first political experience surrounded by such environments the suppression of his right of franchise the open and notorious examples of fraud ballot-box stuffing and intimidation practiced in every southern election for the last thirty years on the one hand and the unfaithfulness jingoism the free offering of bribes and the continued practice of duplicity on the part of those claiming to be his friends on the other hand no fair-minded man would expect to find complete political perfection among a people thus treated thus has the negro been obstructed not only in politics but his civil rights have been denied him 
and the doors of many industries are closed against him but let us turn our faces away from all the horrors of slavery reconstruction and all kindred wrongs which have been heaped upon us and stand up measuring the full statue of an american citizen upon the threshold of the new century as a new man a slave who has grown out of the ashes of thirty-five years ago is inducted into the political and social system cast into the arena of manhood where he constitutes a new element and becomes a competitor for all its emoluments he is put upon trial to test his ability to be accounted worthy of freedom worthy of the elective franchise after all these years of struggle against almost insurmountable odds under conditions but little removed from slavery itself he asks a fair and just judgment not of those whose prejudice has endeavored to forestall to frustrate his every forward movement rather those who have lent a helping hand that he might demonstrate the truth of the fatherhood of god and the brotherhood of man in a nation like ours blessed with peace plenty and full of prosperity filled with the expression of expansion sound money and a protective tariff when there is a disposition to forget all sectional lines and to know no north no south no east no west but having all to stand out in bold relief as one reunited whole when one political party slaps the other upon the shoulder with a knowing look and a smile indicating the fraternal feeling everywhere present the question naturally comes home to every colored american what should be the negro's attitude in politics constituting as we do one-eighth of the entire population of this nation the negro's political attitude should be a firm stand for the right the support of honest men for office the advocacy of strong pure american policies an unceasing contention for fair elections a pure ballot a complete repudiation of any party or man who seeks to bribe or in any way to hamper or to degrade him politically should he become self-effaced politically no never he should at all times contend wisely firmly for every right according to other american citizens under the organic laws of the nation he should identify himself with that political party which proves to be the most friendly towards him there is very little in a name results should be sought and the negro should never waver until they are obtained this will necessitate a division of the negro vote no fixed rule can be established as a political guide for him 
any more than it can be done for any other people the location environment men and measures sought to be obtained should guide him the political pathway for the future may seem dark and discouraging but nothing daunted we should continue to press forward contending for every inch of our rights no right which man enjoys aside from his own household should be guarded more sacredly than his right of franchise a right which makes each one a sovereign in himself a right which determines what laws shall govern us who shall construe them and execute them i am not unmindful of the fact that the views here expressed may sound rather utopian but in this age of rush and bustle for place preferment and national gain by individuals and the nation and in an age when anarchists lynchers and murderers set at defiance all law and government in an age when in certain sections of the country the ballot-box ceases to stand as an exponent of the registered will of the people but stands rather as a political cesspool of reeking rottenness impregnating the national atmosphere with germs of discord that may yet stagnate and throttle the union in such an age it is quite necessary that a halt should be called a reckoning had and that these small though dangerous political sores should be lanced from the body politic before they develop into putrefying cancers that will destroy the life of the republic from any view that may be taken of the present political situation it is apparent that the time is ripe for the colored american to think and act for himself if he reasons correctly he will certainly reach the conclusion that right must some day prevail and in order that he may enjoy the resultant blessings flowing from a pure ballot the colored man must set the pace and thereby place himself in a position to command respect and proper recognition he who would have equity must first do equity the negro's loyalty to his friends his impressionable soul his devotion to church his yearning for education and enlightenment his thrift industry devotion to country fidelity to the flag shown upon hundreds of battlefields must be admitted and command the admiration of all fair-minded men let him add to all these attributes purity in all things let him cultivate a love for justice and fair play live as an example for his neighbors ally himself with the best men in the community or state where he lives and the day must certainly come when his rights political and civil will be conceded to him let us learn what is right and then dare to do the right ever pressing forward to higher and nobler things 
never lagging but remember that constant effort will remove the mountain and that continued dripping will wear away the stone end of topic thirteen first paper